Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemist Club. I'm Joe, your host and socially isolated dungeon master. I've just dated the episode. I know! You ruined it. Now they're going to know. <laughs> now they're going to know that we've done absolutely nothing different because we don't record in person anyway. Yes. <laughs> uh, here back for uh, another exciting Alchemist Club adventure. The first that we've done in like five weeks because we're That's really bad at this. <laughs> Let's see. How do we normally do these intros? I who am I? I'm Tarzan. joining me in the Discord. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Who, who's here? It's me, Waffle, and I play Tarajux. We're going reverse order now. Come on, yep. pick it up. We got this. Oh, I'm Matt, and I play Leolin. I'm Zach, and I play Fall Rock. I'm K Hall. I play Desmond. And I'm Daniel, and I play Chev Fleek. And we have here a fan letter from Todd who has written, Greetings, Alchemist Club members. My name is Todd, and I wanted to say I appreciate the podcast providing entertainment for my family and I as we are stuck indoors for the quarantine. Uh, dating the episode a little bit, but that's perfectly okay. That's um, what we do. The kids wanted to ask what kind of tree Teliferous would be in real life, and who in the party is best suited to be a masked wrestler, and what their signature move would be. Um, thanks again, Todd. Um, so... To start off, I th think we've we've talked about what kind of tree Teliferous would be already. That might be in an episode that you haven't listened to yet. But if I recall correctly, um, I think I said that it was a cross between like an oak, a maple, and a willow tree. Yeah, and it sounds right. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really correlate to any actual real tree. It's very much a a, a fantasy tree that exists mostly in my headspace. Uh, as for masked wrestlers and their signature moves, I will turn that over to the party at large to discuss. So we've had a lot of signature moves, but I think we all know Falrock would be the best wrestler. Yes. I think like from a like technical moves perspective, yes, but part of being a masked wrestler is presentation. <laughs> <laughs> You would present a lot and then lose. Yeah, exactly. No. So I guess the broader question here: magic, then. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. You see, that's where you're wrong. I I am not a face masked wrestler. I am a heel masked wrestler. I'm like, I have my persona is you want me to lose, and so I'm very big and bombastic, but I'm also terribly evil, um, and so. Like yes, trying to, imagine, it... trying to imagine Tarjux walking up like Vince McMahon. Yeah, just, just the super swagger, and everyone's booing him. He's like, "What?" I walk I up, um, like... and then I try to offer uh, Luchador Fallrock a briefcase to throw the match, and then <laughs> um, he throws me instead. Okay, yeah, no, that works. I feel like a really good <laughs> signature technique is just one that's memorable because you can you can succeed. Or you can fail miserably, but if nobody remembers it, was it much of a signature move? Right. And so presentation, everybody I think, is a really is a really big part because you can present a really cool move in D and D, um, and then roll a fucking one, and uh, you know, and everyone still that, remembers the awesome that, move. Yeah. That crippling moment. Spoilers. That <laughs> crippling moment when I forget to to narrate the fireball. Oh, still haunts me. If Chet, like if Chet the had a signature hammer. move, it would it would probably be related to his uh, the I guess the sport it, we we would call it um, of his people baseball. Um, uh, oh and, yeah, that weird fantasy sport that, that Joe is... made up. Yeah, yeah. So he would he would <laughs> he would probably uh, it would cast um, uh, what is it flaming crap? What is that cantrip called? The flame, cantrip firebolt, firebolt or no, produce it's flame? not produce produce flame. He yeah. would produce flame. He would wind up like a pitcher and throw it and shout like flaming pitch or something. I feel like if your signature move doesn't involve like two bears each with a folding chair, is it really <laughs> your signature move? <laughs> it's a cage out of bears. <laughs> 
<laughs> or it's like, okay, you're not bearded. No, no. Here, here's really... your move. Okay, I got it. So what happens is uh, one of the bears pins the guy. The other bear stands up. You climb up the bear, oh, and then bear. you do a people's elbow drop from oh. the bear, and your elbow is on fire with produced so, flame. Okay, so one's got like yeah, a yeah. got him in a Nelson hole, like holding yeah. his arms behind him. Is that a Nelson? No. Yeah. I, I don't know wrestling terms. Anyway, <laughs> no, I think, no, you got it. I think you got it. Yeah. Okay, and then the other, yeah, the other bear is just a step stool that I like hop up onto and get some air from, even though yeah. I can fly. I don't even need though it, you can but... fly. <laughs> it's for effect. Yeah. All right. And then like dunk, uh, or yeah, yeah dunk, the people's oh. elbow. The people's yeah. elbow. So produce flame on my elbow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to shape shift into a bear while your elbow. Mid air. No, no, no. It could See, be a produce bear. flame. Step one. Turn into a bear. Step two with the with the produce flame still intact, and yes. then yes, a a flaming bear elbow to the top of my enemy's head. Here's the here's the clincher. This is what seals the deal. Is while he's in the ring as himself, Chet is wearing a bird mask over his normal bird face. Oh, yes! <laughs> and then when he it's turns into face. a bear, he's a bear disguised as a bird. And his wrestler name is just El Bird. <laughs> Pol- Polo? <laughs> Poyo? Po- po- yeah, that one. <laughs> I I don't chicken. Give me a break. I've been trying to figure it out in my head, but Leyland's uh, signature move would definitely be called the shish kebab. I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to figure out what it would be. I feel it's, like it's they a, call like you a ladder. It's or a vengeful. A it's a vengeful move because it's it's named after the pain that you yourself have suffered, right? Right. Exactly. So it's it's one you would you would reserve for your most hated. Despised piece of shit enemy. So Terrajets. <laughs> wow, that's that's but the also, rivalry yes. match at the end of the season. Do, does wrestling have seasons? I assume that'd be like so. WrestleMania, uh, right? I mean, there. if it's like anime, then yeah, yeah, sure. As I understand it, wrestling and anime are basically one to one. I don't know very much about wrestling or about anime, so that like <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Des- Desmond's uh, wrestler name would be like the Crashing Wave, and like all of his moves would just be wrestler names, like the El Nino, <laughs> hurricane names. Yeah, like, like... <laughs> just go back in time. He's about to drop an Irene. <laughs> oh, no. named hurricane. Right, but like you could like uh, you'd like take water and like shrink. Uh, you know, you heat it up and you just shrink their clothes <laughs> or shrink their mask <laughs> so it wouldn't fit and you throw them out. I feel like you would also have a lot of, like, ice patches in the ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I guess the answer to this question eventually becomes all of us would be perfect masked wrestlers. We would, we would be the greatest masked wrestling federation that it's yeah. ever been seen. Oh, absolutely. I um I might file some of this away for future adventures. Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. See the Alchemist Club, the crew of Teliferous versus the Iconoclast. <laughs> no, no, so it's that like that, no. we have to form a giant human pyramid so Bearchhead can do the people's elbow onto a pugilist <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> wow, that's it. That's how we yeah, end the that, podcast. That, that's so, the arc. I mean, wow. Uh, spoilers, everybody. Sorry. Now, in six months, when that episode comes out, you know, <laughs> you're gonna be like, "Oh, that was such good foreshadowing." Yeah. Right, right up there with Robot Fall Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Robot Fall Rock would be the best masked fighter in the land, like unquestionably. <laughs> Robot <laughs> Fall Rock would wear a fake beard. Yeah, and he would <laughs> have like hydraulic fists. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Yep. Yeah. I'm rolling up I a, think, a Warforged I think right Robot Falrock could defeat the entire regular uh, Teliferous Wrestling Federation by himself. Wow. Including regular pre-Robot Falrock. What it wow. would, would Cyborg Falrock beat Mecha 
Falrock that had been programmed to be evil? God, you know, it's so hard to tell because, you know, like the... Because of the character development that happened when uh, Falrock... We're going like, to Mecha, we're gonna Mecha Falrock is going to have some so, really good resists, right? Yeah. Well, hang on. Are we talking about Robo Falrock or Mecha Falrock? Because Mecha Falrock is gigantic. That's true. We are talking like, about Robo Falrock, but what about... Robo Falrock. Wait, Pilot hang on. Would Mecha regular Falrock. Falrock be able to summon Robo or not fight summon Mecha Falrock to fight Robo Falrock? Is that the end game here? Is that what we're going for? I would allow that. We're going to we're going to cut this off here because we are very <laughs> dangerously close to spoilers territory. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> We've been in spoilers for like the past five minutes. Bye. The longer Bye. That, Bye. We let, that we let fan mail questions go on, the more that Waffle yeah. was going to spoil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, I started it this time. I was late. So, I apologize. <laughs> I hope that was fulfilling, Todd. Also, please just let me be the first to apologize to you when your children start asking you strange questions. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to teach them exciting new words. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's uh, that's our answer to your answer. Air quotes to your question, Todd. Um, thanks for listening and writing in. I'm super glad to hear from you. And uh, feel free to write in with more questions that you may have, like what is wrong with you people, <laughs> <laughs> and where do you get off. And uh, you don't want me to answer that. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to ask that one. Um, Sorry again. And now back to our regularly scheduled adventure. Who can remember what happened last time? Me, Hopsinopolis. Hopsinopolis. That's all that matters. Oh wait, no. Uh, the wedding's canceled. I got. I got left on read. There's a, there's a pandemic. You can't have gatherings of more than twenty people. I mean, right? But this is this is technically still three months in the future, yeah, and this is not even can. counting like the delay of like anything else. Yeah, but, so, um, but I got but... left on read anyways. So yeah, oof, oof. Yeah. Wait, how do you get left and left on read? You just get I, you just I don't said, get a letter said, back within a certain sending. amount of time. You yeah, said, said sending, and they they can no send oh. back instantly. And she's okay, it's <laughs> like did you yep. write a letter and you didn't get one back in seven days. Not even like a K, just nothing. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely not. A, but the more important thing is we made it to Hopsinopolis, Um right after like one of its side, like island buoys blew up, or at least melted down. Yeah, what's there was, it was a mess. Foamy weird what's shit. Hopsinopolis is the, the city the, of gnomes. Yeah, yes. the floating gnome city island. Oh, uh, yeah, they off. In the uh, void. Approached us. We, we yeah. are out over the open sky, and I'm loving it. Yeah, because well, there, there was the hole. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, we're trying to get help so that we can go back and fight Evil Jux Empire. Um, not all of Jux, just the evil Thank part of it. You. That have their own airship that is bigger and more imposing, and definitely a warship, not just a tree ship. So, uh, our ship is a hell of warship, though. Yeah, but it really, like, we did a size comparison. And yeah. Well, it's like, it, we're... This is Millennium Falcon versus Death Star. Like, you're going to need gonna right. need the proper exhaust port. Well, I, it's Jux more of Millennium Falcon versus a Star Destroyer. Jux is suffering from necrotizing fasciitis. We are but a scalpel. Wait, what? Oh, wait, like, this is a metaphor. You can't... Is a <laughs> you can't make... Disease-related metaphors right now. I can. Yeah. More I like, and I did. You gotta, you gotta warn us, though. You gotta Fascist warn us. Fascist-itis. Okay. Hey. Hell, I'm sorry. Shit. Is a trigger warning for you guys, then? <laughs> you, have, you have people uh, have limbs amputated because of necrotizing fasciitis? All of mine, actually. I'm just yeah, a torso. I'm, I'm, oh, wait, oh, all of your family's limbs? Wait, is this not the we didn't play for, a month. for quadruple amputees from specifically flesh-eating diseases? Oh, no, I have all of my limbs. So do my family uh, members. You're not welcome well, we here. We left our party. Okay, bye. We can fix that. But I'm <laughs> We're going on. Oh, we can fix Into no. Hopsinopolis. We're going Ken. into Hopsinopolis. And we're going to get approval, like get licensed, so oh, we could yeah, actually the patent park office. 
Right. Yeah. Because it's a new, technically an air quotes, new kind of airship. So we have to get licensed so that it's legal to fly and park there. Also, they don't typically allow people who aren't gnomes here. Yeah. So uh, for your visual reference, because I don't feel I did a very good job of explaining this last time, um, I've posted a picture in the Discord. And for our listeners, Hobstonopolis is like, look up a picture of Hollow Bastion from Kingdom Hearts (laughs) 1. Make it the size of a city. Reflect that lower crystally part as just more city but upside down. And then make it hella steampunk. It's just yeah, like okay. bizarre architecture <laughs> and towers that are coming out of weird places and cranes okay. and pipes and giant steam gouts. Yeah. And, it's uh, legit. Yeah. That, that is the... Discord. Oh, it's in the chat. Yes. I've, I've been looking for it. Where is it? I just posted it in the chat. Oh, you! Ju- oh, okay. I thought you said you posted it early. Uh, well, no, that would have been like eight weeks ago. I know. That's why I was scrolling back. <laughs> it would be long buried under all the stupid shit that shows yes, up here. Lots of. Yes. Um, uh, right. So, so, as I recall, what? the last thing that happened was you were escorted inside the gates after momentarily stopping to wonder why a flying city that doesn't receive visitors has gates. And I assume they receive gnomes from other locations. Yes, but the only means of arrival here is by air. Right. But like gnomes from other gnome societies probably like come to visit to, you know. I don't know. Are they, are they all this advanced? Are the gnomes I, on each continent equally advanced in air travel? I would assume so. I don't know. Well, then That's how come our gnomes... Considering the only gnome we know is our friend... Uh... Body knock. Yeah. Right? Well, we also know Fizzwidget Gamble Goose. Yes. Yeah. Do you think either of them know about this place? I think Body Knock, Shepin, and Fizzwidget Gamble Goose b- both know about this place. So it's just a race secret. Because, like, we've... Um, oh, I specifically remember, that. like, I I asked a leading question. I'm like, boy, yeah, those known cities, they sure are secretive. And he's just like, yep, they sure <laughs> are. Yep. Um, so they, like, I would assume they know about flight and about the city. And they just, like, they keep it on the DL because otherwise, shitty people like Raven would be like, well, a giant flying city, I shall turn it into a shitty thing. <laughs> I shall ruin it with my misplaced ambition and my daddy issues. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm sorry, that's just, like, Ravenwood sounds like that. That's a direct quote. That's... Do you know he has daddy issues? Yes. Anyway. For a fact. Nobody builds something that large without some sort of something. Reining it back in. (laughs) The the mayor of Hopstonopolis, Applejack Crumbledown, and his aide have led you... Okay, I'm going to preface this episode and sort of next arc with two things. First... I am not doing the high squeaky voice for all the gnomes because I will die. <laughs> oh. Second, yeah, um, I have I've generated a list of gnomish names, and I want you to know that most of these come directly out of the name lists in Xanathar's guide. Okay. So, well, then I feel comfortable asking, "What's the name of Applejack oh. Crumbledown's assistant?" I was hoping they were all cereal or pastry related. I <laughs> admittedly I was too. Um, Strudel McPoppy. Applejack Crumbledown's uh, aide's name is Crampernap Quill Shooter. Wow. Okay. All right. So this so is a lot to process. I'm I don't sorry. like that one as much. <laughs> There's just going to be a lot for me to process. All right. Uh, I imagine so, a couple of these will sound familiar. So we follow Applejack and Crampernap to the patent office. <laughs> you follow Applejack and Crampernap to what looks like a carriage, but for two notable differences from what you're expecting. First, there does not appear to be any source of locomotion for it. Namely, there is no horse, and the driver's seat is instead replaced with a dizzying array of levers and knobs. Second, the wheels. What sorcery is this? A the cart wheels pulled by no horse <laughs> are comically small, like hmm. they're 
they're probably the size of like skateboard wheels and this cart is <laughs> large i love this um, uh, I hop in if they direct me to. Yeah, so Crampernap opens the door for you, and uh, Mayor Crumbledown gets in first and then gestures for you to join him. And it's actually surprisingly spacious in there. Oh, okay, I was going to say, like, my knees are just crammed against my chin. No, um, okay. he notices you looking sort of bewildered at the fact that this is much larger than a gnome would need, and he just goes, we like open spaces. That's, you know... I like this place. He says, and in a single stroke prevents me from having to deal with the scale issue. <laughs> I, I mean, like, so this is, I just want to backtrack here, a society that has invented flight and likes wide open spaces. I, yeah. I should have been a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> to only. be fair, when, when I started this, I didn't know about Hopsinopolis yet, so... I just like Tarjex Heiko. It was always in your heart. Belongs in gnome society. <laughs> if Apparently. only we had gnome. If only we had gnome. So uh, when we do have a minute, I once again thank the mayor for uh, their patience in our unusual mode of arrival. I'm sure that this is a fairly unusual situation to be in, and he's handled it with grace and aplomb. Well, it's uh, definitely irregular. We don't we don't usually have visitors to Hopstonopolis, and there is a a jerking motion as the entire cart grows several mechanical legs, <gasps> and uh, starts to sway off into into the city proper. Um, yes, we. They exit little holes in the side, or so there are several like kind of liquefies and then shapes no. and hardens. So there are several large, like bulky packs, sort of clamped to the sides, and the legs sort of unfold from there. Okay. Hmm. And uh, you see Crampernap up at the driver's seat, like furiously operating these levers <laughs> to uh, keep the car. It's it doesn't look very efficient. efficient? Or, no. <laughs> or user friendly. Um, uh, Mayor Crumbledown says, "Yes, well, it's noteworthy enough to bring it to the attention of the city council, and I feel that if the nation of Jux does indeed have an airship, then it, it's only a matter of time before they turn their attentions." off-continent, whether for military or scientific purposes, and then we will have to maneuver the city into a new position. And we quite like where we are at the moment. It's a nice place. Or we could just blow up their airship. This is something that we can discuss with the city council. And uh, the cart, the carriage, um, now enters sort of the city proper, um, where the streets are... So, it's a functional city, but the function of the city and the structures therein are, it's usually utterly obscure. Um, it immediately becomes apparent why the cart uses legs rather than wheels oh. when you see that there are pipes that just sort of cross the street at random heights. Um Gouts of steam <laughs> burst out of nearby vents and ports with no discernible pattern. Occasionally, there are buildings, like it looks like somebody tried to build a building over the street, but half of it, like it's at an angle, so half of it is very low, half of it is very high. Hmm. It's, it's like somebody gave a toddler a bunch of Duplos and told them to build a city, but they don't know what a city is. <laughs> <laughs> they know what buildings are, but they don't know what cities are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Crampernap is up in the driver's seat, expertly weaving your carriage uh, over pipes, under buildings. Um, there's one brief point where the entire apparatus of the legs, like, rotates closer to one side of the cart than the other, and you're, like, hanging out over the street for a brief period. You're not sure why he's doing that, but after a minute or two, it comes back down um, the whole apparatus to 
the proper sort of undercarriage where it's supposed to be. Is there a lot of other carriages out or? So you do see several smaller um, sort of self-automated carriages that have uh, only four legs instead of six. Um, You kind of get the impression that this is like an official government vehicle. A lot of gnomes out and about walking, um, and there are also like scooters and bicycle, I'm sorry, velocipedes. <laughs> God. But yeah, there is a fair bit of traffic in the city of Hopstonopolis. Okay. Um, I asked the mayor about how many gnomes live in Hopstonopolis. Oh. Last time we took a census, there were probably 50,000 of us living here. What the... <laughs> How does that compare to, like, big cities on the continent? Yeah, Chet really can't count that, that high. <laughs> Eric Cochran culture can only count to three. <laughs> One, two, three, and many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... The the capital city of Jux is probably about no more than ten thousand. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay, so this is huge. <laughs> yeah. This is so huge that I'm skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I'm is this not an sure. illusion? I'm not sure fifty thousand people could live anywhere. So you remember <laughs> that from the air, you could see that sort of the diameter air quotes of Hopstonopolis was about the same as the city of Jux, but yeah. it ha- but it's not constrained by having a yeah, ground yeah. to deal Three with. Three dimensional, right? Yeah. Still, fifty thousand people. Too. Surely they would collapse under the gravitational force. I don't think that's how gravity works. Fifty thousand no, people—that's not... too many. That's just too many to fathom. Um, the mountain home probably houses about 25,000 dwarves. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a big city. Small party, big city. Yeah. Perfect. This right here is a bona fide adventuring location. Do, do they have any um, like religious temples or stuff like that here or no? Well, we do maintain shrines to the five, although we here predominantly worship um, Sinti, the... Light of progress. Oh, I roll my eyes. All right. <laughs> I see that you are. He he takes off his spectacles and like polishes them, puts them back on, and squints at your holy symbol. He's like Aquila. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really like to talk about it. Oh, and he just you sort of trails off. Buy it as you are. But if you are looking for a place to worship, they are. Scattered throughout, shouldn't be too much trouble to find a temple or shrine. I might uh, look into that later. Seems good. Mr. Crumbledown, if I may. Um, I understand that there is a certain degree of discretion involved with uh, Hopsonopolis, but how in the world did you get all of this? Because you're not, like, exporting goods to places, so... How did you afford to build the most amazing flying contraption I have ever seen in my short life? I'm afraid that's information that will have to remain, let's say, classified until such time as you are approved by the city council. Okay, that's fair. State secrets, you understand. Yes, yes. I'm well aware. I whisper, of... we can ask Campbell Goose. <laughs> I'm well aware of state secrets and how awesome they are to have. <laughs> He's well aware of state secrets. He's not good at keeping them. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the trip takes about an hour to get to the patent office. Presumably you continue to pepper Mayor Crumble down with questions as you go. Yeah. Um, We get him nice and seasoned. Yes. And so you... the, The carriage breaks out of sort of the inaccessible tangle of Hopsonopolis's crust and enters into what looks like, it's sort of like Central Park, right? It's this enormous diamond of sort of well-designed aesthetic 
parks and there are fountains. Um, it's open to the sky, which is a little disconcerting because it's like you still have a lot of the Hopsnopolis skyline encroaching over it. Um, but like, so you're at the the apex of the pyramid that makes up the city, right? You okay. come out at the very top where the capstone would be if you're imagining it as like a big um, sort of D8 shape. Sure, yeah. And in the center of this space is what looks like um, any small town American courthouse, but the size of a skyscraper. Oh. Love it. Oh, no. Love it. Um, right. So uh, there's, it's another few minutes in the carriage before you actually reach the patent office. Um, and I've already forgotten his name. Krimpernap folds up the legs of the carriage. Uh, sort of in the designated mayor's parking spot, opens the door, and everybody bundles out. <clears throat> and you are uh, escorted into the patent office proper. Um, so you enter, and there's sort of a large lobby and several doors leading in different directions. There are three gnomes working at sort of a reception desk, um, the mayor sweeps you past this and into um, into one of the doors on the right, and you walk past uh, sort of the the actual patent office facilities, which is a very large room that's just row after row after row of desks with gnomes doing paperwork. Okay, yeah, and. Uh, you're sort of like on a are walkway they, over them. Are they humming like in harmony? Tell me they're humming in harmony. <laughs> no, there are actually quite a lot of discordant noises, like steam whistling and loud clangs that are coming from doors that are sort of lining the edges of this room that are all labeled um, testing room one, testing room two. Okay. And you can see like on the desks closest to you, all this paperwork is like schemata and diagrams and you know, vector charts. So this is, they're clearly reviewing patents in the patent office. Yes. But they're actually testing their function, which is interesting, because it never occurred to me that you'd have to do that for patents. Maybe not in our weak American patent yeah, system. Maybe in, not in our pathetic human systems. Yeah. When you're dealing with gnomes, you have to be very careful of design flaws. Well, that's why I would feel like they would want even less to test those. They'd be like, you know what? You build this and produce it on your own dime. <laughs> when it blows up, it's your problem. Well, you're not allowed to submit a patent until you have the um, sort of severe mishap rate down below 5%. 5%? Wow. God. All right. Awesome. <clears throat> Let's go get registered as deadly weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and the you are you're taken to a lift which um is not a very pleasant experience. It's very shaky. Um there's a lot of juddering and loud clanking noises. Uh but you eventually uh, stop off at one of the upper floors and you are led into the city council chamber, which is, <clears throat> and it's kind of reminiscent of like the Senate chamber from Star Wars, but obviously okay. nowhere near on that scale. So it's like tiered circles in a large spherical room. It's like the size of a university class. Yeah, it's it's basically like a university lecture hall, but with a podium in the very center rather than on one wall. <clears throat> okay. And there are about 40 other gnomes present here, and they're just sort of waiting. Um, Applejack Ominous. steps up to the central podium and sort of produces a small gavel that he bangs a couple times. He looks annoyed at the process. Um, and he says, I call this city council meeting to order. These are the strangers that were mentioned in the message that was sent previously. I see that not everybody was able to come for this very urgent meeting that we were supposed to have, but that's fine. We have a majority. Um, 
and he turns to you and says, Would you kindly introduce yourselves and explain what you're doing here to the city council? I'm just a humble man. <laughs> well, you see, gentlemen, Tolarok uh, explains the situation. Because we've done this so Looks many like times. you guys are up to your fire code, so... I was checking that on the way in, and I didn't see any, uh... We're here because Jux has wrought a terrible evil upon this world. Yes, it, we... And we knew not and who to seek for help. Can I make a roll to do this eloquently and prevent our Jux from doing so should, uneloquently? Can I do it? I can, I can eloquent. I have... <laughs> we've, we've, I done can this, eloquent. we've done this I can so many times. I have many points in eloquence. <laughs> it might have been a month for us, but it hasn't been a month for the audience. So I am... we shouldn't Power Rangers this and spend okay. five minutes pulling up the Megazord. I am bigly eloquent. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, I rolled a 19. That's plus eight. Uh, that's a 27 on Persuasion. I would like to. We're just, we're just... <laughs> I can do. Um, I can do performance. Yeah, uh, that would only be a twenty-six or twenty-five. But I just want to not only explain the details of the case. Primarily here that Jux has wrought an unthinkable evil upon the world. Um, there is a rot at the core of the military. Yada yada. Also, a little bit about who we are. Not necessarily the hatchling details, but like, hey, we are adventurers uh we have roamed the continent from end to end uh righting wrongs fighting evils putting to rest stirring monsters that threaten the world uh and then we came upon this great evil wrought by jux this vast airship that they claim erroneously is valorous and uh we were at a loss because we had come upon something too vast and too great uh, for us to fight, and uh, certainly we could not stand to see this thing pollute the sky uh, unopposed, and so we sought out help wherever we could find it, and we find ourselves here. Sought out help? <laughs> Just, like, one place <laughs> on the continent that has not, like, kicked us out or actively... We sought out help wherever we could find it! <laughs> True. Uh, and... Only the gnomes, it would seem, have the the understanding and the vastness of scope and scale to truly comprehend the sort of threat that we face. And they alone might also understand why this uh, great Juxian machine is not only troublesome militaristically, but also on a more uh, fundamental level. And I, I do elaborate briefly but also at length about uh how they are using storm elementals as a power source and they are trapping the very storm itself to use for the mere whims of humanity and it will doom them all in their arrogance there is a lengthy sort of round of whispers that pass around the council chamber after you give your your speech, which is quite eloquent. Um, we come before you, gnome kind. Our, our hands open, our shoulders heavy. We know not where else to turn. And we ask, is there anything you can do? Is there anything any of us can do against this menace? Also, there may be some cool tech in it for you. <laughs> oh, come eh. on. Their, their eh. stuff is going to be way better eh. than Juxian. Uh. Um... Applejack. I can't wait to get a gun. <laughs> you have a gun! <laughs> no, it sucks! <laughs> it's a lame gun. I want a gun that uses charisma. That's not... I want a golden gun. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, want a bar... You want a bard gun, basically. You want an instrument. You want a tuba. Yeah. <laughs> you want a flute. Please don't make me fight with a flute or a tuba. <laughs> I... Fan artists, all, none of you. That's not true, actually. Um, Belky did draw us that nice piece of fan art. Yeah, we do have a couple pieces. Um, Terra Jux with a tuba. That's all. Tuba uh, Jux. Tuba Jux. <laughs> that's it. That's the prompt. That's the tweet. Um, so Applejack uh, sort of motions for you to, to step back off the podium, which I assume you're, like, standing on hands oh, down... Yeah. 
bang when appropriate. Yeah. So I'm no, no, no. You misunderstand. I'm standing on the podium. <laughs> oh, yes, I, of course. Halfway through my speech, I jumped up. Um, Tarajux has a six foot vertical leap, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fan artists. Um, so just jumped straight up onto the podium and continued shouting. I mean, it's a it's a gnome podium, it's, so it's yeah. It's a stool. <laughs> yeah, it's like hopping up onto a step stool. Uh, so anyway, Applejack motions for you to step down and then back. And he says, there are two primary concerns here, and we have tested them. They do appear to be telling the truth. Uh, the two concerns being, one, that if Jux is now in possession of true air flight, then they will eventually come across Hopstonopolis, and we will need to reposition before that occurs, as well as monitor their airspace, which would be a large diversion of uh, grant money. Two, if they are in fact using grant elementals money? as a power source, <clears throat> then as we know, this is not terribly stable. The elementals weaken and eventually die. They'll have to recruit more or enslave more, and eventually this will lead to all-out war with the lower planes. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, we are obviously not immediately threatened by this, but it would behoove us, as it always has, to take a proactive stance and sort out these issues before they actually threaten Hopsonopolis itself. <clears throat> and again, there's um, there's sort of a round of whispers around the council chambers, and um, it looks like there are sort of two factions forming here. Those, and uh, you probably could have seen this coming, uh, those that are in agreement with Applejack Crumble Down and those that are very much of the opinion that you are outsiders and not to be trusted, um, zone of truth or otherwise. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, there are a couple of hands that are raised, and um, uh, Mayor Crumble Down gestures to one of the council members, one Ellie Bell Horcus Porcus. <laughs> Again, straight from Xanathar's Guide, not Love me. Love these. Who says, uh, pretty much exactly what I just said. It's like, we cannot trust these strangers. They've flown in on a strange airship powered by unknown magic, and they expect us to just hop to and destroy this air dreadnought that an another nation has produced? I mean, Ridiculous. we would be willing to take a ward and let you study the ship as the... Uh, we've already taken a couple people to do that. I don't think they'd mind. Oh, you're offering to let them study Teliferous? Why not? We yeah, already have two elves that do it. That's fair, sure. I suppose. Also, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Everybody has dipped their finger into the Teliferous pool. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so, I mean, hey, give like, a little. I mean, come on. We're not asking you to commit your entire forces now. I'm like, go check for yourself. Go probe, yeah. You, you can, you, clearly you have a greater mastery over the sky than ourselves or Jux or anyone. You should go verify for yourselves that the valor of Jux is this impending nightmare that we say. We are strangers, but we are strangers who have come to you with a dire warning. Um, Applejack looks thoughtful at this and he turns and... Um... He says, Tippletoe, when are we expecting our next report from our uh, citizens currently located in the city of Jux? Well, Mayor Crumbledown, we should have a, a fresh batch of information in in about a week. There's a, a thickly bearded gnome wearing a constable's hat uh, sitting on the council, uh, in the council uh, bleachers. <clears throat> and then... Anyone yes. in the city about it right now? They all know about the airship. It was broadcasted to the <laughs> to all the jucks. Yes, and I expect that we will hear something to that effect when our latest batch of reports do come in. We could offer you a sending spell if this would expedite things. We have. There's a whole <laughs> bureaucracy to this. Crumble down says again, looking mildly irritated. <laughs> well, what if we asked one of our gnome friends and he could vouch for us? 
I can indeed, says a familiar voice. <gasps> he's, it he's... takes you a minute to recognize him because his eyebrows are fully three inches long. Oh, yes! <laughs> but Body Knock Shepin is indeed also on the city council of Hopsinopolis. Is he, is he actually here or is he a Jedi Council hologram? No, he's, he's really here. <laughs> My man. Um, he waggles his fingers and says, These lot do have a tendency to sort of bring trouble in their wake. As you know, I only recently left the mountain home after they arrived, and it was these people, and stirred up all of the current problems that are happening there. That was two months ago. That wasn't our fault. I... Look, we can't be blamed for the actions of every dark cult on the continent. No blame was being assigned, but your presence was the catalyzing agent. Awkward silence. I, things Sometimes things need to be catalyzed. Um, Awkward for Chad, because he's scratching his head. Uh, he rolled a seven to search his brain for what catalyzed me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you ask that? He's no, he's racking his own brain. Oh, um, yeah, you, you're not. You you've heard it's, the word um, before. You think it so? Might... It's like a, it's a deceptive feline. It's yeah, a, it's a lying cat. So you you definitely a, think it's got something to do with cats. Cat a, pretending to be a lion. A, a, yeah, a cat who's lying. Okay. Yeah, that does sound bad. We do some bad <laughs> stuff sometimes. Yeah, we're associated with lying cats. We did. We did lie about. It's 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 very colorful. Now, Chad Chad can see see exactly what it means now. Yeah. That said, says Body Knock, I did meet with them. Um, they visited my shop while they were in the mountain home, and they didn't seem like the sort of people who'd be stupid enough to actively attack one of the most prominent members of Dwarven society unprompted. So I'm willing to bet that there was a setup there. You've all read my report already. Um, anyway, I think that it is wise to be cautious, and he sort of gestures to Ellie Bell. However, if their information is good, and we have, we have it on literal divine authority, that it is, Zone of Truth being a divine spell. Yeah, I bow, not realizing that they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, perhaps we could run them through the typical uh, gnomish citizenship the process. <laughs> and there's another round of mumbles. But they don't have time, they don't have funding. How are they going to. And he says, or we could have them investigate Lab 84 since it's was undergoing many of the similar or many similar processes to the lab that we lost today. There's a general murmurs of, of agreement there. <clears throat> Mayor Crumble down um, sort of strokes his chin for a moment. He says, All right, so you have two options if you wish to sort of instantiate yourself in good standing with the city of Hopstonopolis. You can either take the Gnomish citizenship test, which would require you to produce an invention and have it successfully approved by the patent office, or you can investigate Lab 84, which has gone silent and was un undertaking many of the same experiments that Lab 37, which we lost today, you saw out on your airship. Um, find out what's happening there and rescue any gnomes that may be trapped inside. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Is it going to be potentially hazardous and full of dashing adventure? There, there's a laugh that goes around the room, and um, Body Knock like gives you a sympathetic look and says, "It's a gnomish research lab. Of course, it's hazardous." <laughs> yeah, but like fun hazardous, or like we have to wear safety glasses hazardous because oh. I've done both, and the latter is boring. They don't understand the distinction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go investigate your lab and save your scientists. No problem. Uh, we are adventurers, after all. Yes, that does seem to be the case. Yep, we sure are. <laughs> are there any further questions that the council wishes to ask before we have this party go and get properly vetted? And again, Crumble Down is like, 
He's clearly irritated with the whole process. He's no, like firmly on our side about it. Yeah. Right? He just, just doesn't like beer. Just being a beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll tell you something for free. Nobody wants to be on the council or the mayor of Hopstonopolis because it takes <laughs> away from research and personal Oh yeah, pursuits. it's like a professor having to teach. Yeah. This it's functionally like they rotate around who's in charge like um, professors rotate the responsibility of being department head. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, nobody raises any questions, so you are swept out of the council chamber, back down the lift, which is even more frightening going down than it was up. Whee! Um, Back out into the carriage, and you are uh, trundled away towards one of the edges of the city. Here's a weird thought experiment. Does Featherfall work if you're in an elevator? Are you going like, to try it? Like if, like if an elevator cable snaps, does Featherfall work? Yeah, if you're if you're falling, then Featherfall works. Okay. Wait, it, would it work on would us they, and the, would, the the thing that we are in? You would I get mean, pushed to the top of the... Yeah, would you just get killed by you, the ceiling? No, you no, would no, get no, scooped yeah. by the ceiling of the elevator, yes. No, no, it wouldn't... No, if, if you... Could you, you featherfall? Feather you would have to wait elevator? until the very last minute to no, cast it. Your, your featherfall. No, I think it would have to be active right when the elevator starts falling. So well, yeah, you have to activate the, the spell. Top, your impact to the ceiling doesn't kill you, and then when the elevator crashes to the ground, you don't you don't fucking fall to the ground too. You just hmm. float slowly down as soon as it, the ceiling. Yeah. Goes. So for that to work, you'd either either have to cast it at the very beginning or like yeah. as it's hitting the ground. Well, so Featherfall is a reaction. You have to cast it. Uh, the trigger is when a creature falls. So. Yeah, but I would I would argue that that any part of the process of falling is still a creature it's, falls. Oh, it's still part of falling. Yeah, no fair. Yeah. You're like, I'm falling. I'm falling. And it's yeah. The <laughs> okay, yeah. Thing. You don't initiate the fall and then stop falling after you've started, right? <laughs> anyway, if, you, if you don't activate Featherfall immediately, you're dead. <laughs> basically. Version, I just... Uh, you would have to know the cable is going to snap. I thought about this. I was like, huh, I, what would I do if we just started plummeting to our death right now? Um, anyway. And the answer is Featherfall. So you are, you're back in the carriage on your way to the outer part of the city. Um, Mayor Crumbledown uh, sort of pulls out a packet of papers and says, let's see, Lab 84, Lab 84... Right, uh, labs 37, 52, 65, and 84 were researching, mm, let's see, oozery production, toothpaste flavoring, agarose firmness, hereditary insole width, potato cross breeding, he flips a couple pages, <laughs> and the elemental plane of water. Ooh, so, easy peasy. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> out of the ordinary then. So, okay, so that's... So thinking back to um, four months ago when we last played, um, the lab that we saw, there was like a foam explosion. Yeah, it kind of looked like somebody like had green. detonated okay. a slime bomb from the inside. Yeah, so that's, that's really interesting because I had totally been interpreting that as like that was the fire suppression system or like that was intentionally activated to contain something. That was like... Not the hazard. <laughs> well, so, now you know better. So now I know better. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you recontextualize that. I thought they were like, oh shit, the zombies are breaking out. Let's immerse them in foam so we can just leave. Uh, yeah. So, is this lab connected to like Hopsonopolis by one of these chains, or is it like out in the archipelago somewhere? Oh no! It's connected. It's connected by chains. We don't let any yeah. research labs float free, um, unless we're cutting them, in which case they fall into the anchor. An enviable fate. He kind of wrinkles his <laughs> his forehead as you. Cool. So yeah, we'll just go do that then. Um. Hey. So like, how how delicate is all the equipment there? Like, are we trying to save this lab or? Like, like if some big terrifying monster thing comes out, how aggressive can we be about destroying it? Because 
we've got some aggressive measures, but I'm not sure if they're too aggressive. You should take whatever steps necessary to neutralize the threat. Okay. But obviously it would be preferred if you minimized collateral damage to uh, equipment and personnel. All right, Just so we'll, curious, we'll keep what kind of, warm. Are there, what kind of threats typically um, do you face out here? Or has anything like this happened before? Oh, we have catastrophic lab failures probably two or three times a year. The nature of those failures, of course, dependent entirely upon what's being researched. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, we will do our best and we'll report back after we've fixed this. Very good. Uh, the... uh, hey, do you have like a sending stone we can reach you on or something? Like a what's the good? What's a good way to contact you? Crampernap will remain shoreside with you until such time as you are finished with your, let's oh. say, adventure. Perfect. Uh, well, right this way, Crampernap. We are. I assume we're like taking Teliferous, hopping over to that island. No, they. They bring you to to a sort of a different edge of the city than you originally ah. uh, originally got to, and there are several ornithopters waiting for you. The reason I ask is I wouldn't mind having Teliferous on standby if we need it, but I guess they're not going to go for that. They not until they've done like a thorough examination of the ship's weapon systems. Yeah. Okay. Alright, uh, Ornithopter it is. I hop in the secondary seat. Yep, you are... I eye those controls salivating. You are piloted across the gap by um, a couple of gnomish aeronauts. I am taking notes. Terrajux has never taken notes on anything in his life. I know, that's how, that's how much I want to fly an Ornithopter. Uh, <laughs> yep, yeah, you fly out over the large chain that connects lab... 87 to or lab 84 to Hopsinopolis and you arrive and the uh, so this is this is one of the fully artificial islands that is being suspended by um, oh okay sort of a large propeller hmm. um, there are you can see like as you cross and land that there's a little substation sort of at the end of the chain that um it's basically the big red button where if things go explosive bolt horribly wrong you push that the propeller will stop and the chain will detach and the whole thing will just sink okay well that's our oops button yes (laughs) uh lab 84 itself is a uh roughly a square building um it's two stories. Okay. And um, yeah, there's a there's a doorway going in, pretty much directly across from the chain. All right, team, post up. Let's uh, let's do this in let's the go. usual incredibly tactical manner that we do everything, where we're very tight and composed because there are gnomes watching. We. <sighs> So, I post up next to the door and I start doing some Juxian military signs. It's it's a little bit performative so that the gnomes are like, oh, these guys really know what they're doing. Uh, it's really, I'm it's just sure Cramper Body Knock Shepard could tell them otherwise. Yeah. But, but has he? Uh, hand him Fall Rock. Exactly give us a glowing review. Oh. Ready, ready on left. Uh, Cramper Nap walks up to you, and he's like, before you go in, and he hands each of you a belt. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually. A belt of water breathing? It's the equilibrium suspension uh. belt, so that if we have to oops the entire <clears throat> island, we don't plummet to our death. Yeah. Because my alternate plan there was to go fly over to Teliferous, and then dive down and catch all of you, and that's so a does terrible it just, plan. Does it just affix us to a point in space no oh, it's just a balloon it? oh okay 
I, said equilibrium. It sounded way more fancy than a balloon. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's it a just... balloon, but it's a balloon that like is inflated it... such that it is neutrally buoyant. Yeah, but but I that's for gnomes. I, and I do ask that I, as I'm putting this on. Like these are these are sized for gnomes usually. I would think is there going to be a problem with that? Um. Well, we haven't had time to calibrate them properly since we didn't get your measurements. <laughs> yeah. I I hope uh, you err on the side of too buoyant and not not buoyant enough. But worst uh, case scenario, the aeronauts will have plenty of time to catch you before you hit the uh, the um, unleavable zone. The the eraser line. <laughs> well, there, there's a certain threshold where yeah you you don't actually hit the anchor when you fall. You die way you before that happens. Yes. Dematerialize or something. Nobody actually knows what happens to people who fall into the anchor. <laughs> and I like, and what happens? I just like put it on and try it. Like, no, just, it's a one-time. No, it's a one-time. It's like an airbag. Yeah. Did you bring any extras? Yes, but those I like to what... <laughs> are even less calibrated. I like to imagine what happens is at the same time that he's saying like, yeah, nobody knows what happens. Tarjex has is like the identical wording. <laughs> he jumps but... off the edge. But his voice is much more like, nobody knows. Yeah. Like, he's thrilled about it. <laughs> <laughs> he states um, that fact with awe in his voice. Yes. We're going to have to use this. No, we're I... not. The island's going to be fine. Let's go. Farrock turns to Ched and he says, Ched, I feel like I need my strong belt, not this belt. If I fall, please catch me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, we're Guys. both. You're like no, three times as dense as him. Yeah, put one around your massive bicep. <laughs> <laughs> like under your You'll arms. You'll float awkwardly. Make it, like a, make it like a thigh belt. <laughs> Would any of that work? Like, I mean, you set it off, it'll hold you by your leg. and Just if wear a belt on top of your if belt. You're too, if you're too That's heavy so for it, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll fly down and... and pull you up that way you should be pretty light in that instance but i can't i can't guarantee that if I can anything can't, if anything can't tarjux at least feather fall us so that yeah. we're falling slower i can feather or fall you i can cast enough. flight on one of you like don't you have to don't... touch us though uh we, not not, feather fall. we might not be in a position that any of that is going to be a hundred percent fool Ched, we'll deal with that when we deal with it. Put on your your fucking belt. (laughs) (laughs) I put on my belt. Falrock's the one who's being weird about it. (laughs) I already have a belt. Alright. I ready in action to cast Gust of Wind, and I open the door. Um, Krampernap pulls out two of the smaller extra belts he has, and he puts them, like, he puts them around your, like, biceps, Falrock. Like water wing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you can hear him muttering under his breath about people not taking appropriate safety precautions. <laughs> uh, then he backs away. I, I put on aviators, and then I open the door. Now I'm safe. Safe, safe science is good. Sp- <laughs> you... you know, hey, you know, you know Carol, uh, she, uh, something about losing her sight, now she's a pinball wizard. Now she can't see why she can't wear her crunch. safety, her fucking safety belt, and now she's fallen into the void. <laughs> All right, then. fair enough. Like, am I am I instantly slain, or do I have time to scream? You open the door, and you see basically the introduction to a survival horror game. There's a long corridor, plated in metal, flickering lights. Oh. And um, I think that's probably a good place to stop. Uh, So, thank you for joining us for another exciting Alchemist Club adventure. I'm sorry you had to listen to me specifically talk so much, but Gnomish cities don't describe themselves, I guess. Um, Anyway, a lot of exposition. Uh, next time will be much more action-packed, I'm sure. I've been Joe, your dungeon master for this exciting adventure. If you wish to get in touch with us, 
watch me screw up the outro now because I haven't done it in so long. Um, you can <laughs> do so at the Alchemist Club eighty eight at gmail dot com or the Alchemists Club eighty eight at gmail dot com. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Spotify, you got it. Okay. Yep. Um, joining me for this adventure today, we have Waffle playing Tarjux Heiko. Matt playing Leyland. I'm Zach, and I play Falrock. I'm Kale, and I'll be the reason why uh, next episode's action packed playing Desmond. <laughs> And I was Daniel playing Chet Fleet. Thanks for joining us.